We all like rooting for the underdog. We all like rooting for the person who looks like they're a goner. It's too late. There's no chance they can come back. There's no chance they can win. There's no chance they can change. And yet they overcome all the odds that are against them. They overcome everything, challenges, obstacles, their life falling apart, and they still somehow make it. They still somehow succeed. Now that is the theme of Aser Simei It's the idea that it is never too late. I mean, the Rambam says explicitly, he says in Hilchos Tshuva, he says that you can always do Tshuva. It's never too late. And he says that Aser Simei is a special time. It's a special time of Tefillah and Tshuva where in an instant you can change. In an instant you can change who you are and you can become someone else. And the question that I want to delve into today is what is what is the Rambam talking about? What is this idea of Aser Simei Tshuva? What is unique about Aser Simei Tshuva? And to take it a step further, what is... What is this really about? A lot of Aserah Simei Tshuva, especially Yom Kippur, is about Vidui. Now, the Rambam says that Vidui is a mitzvah. Now, it seems a little antithetical that Teshuva, which we're going to assume Vidui is an aspect of Teshuva, Teshuva is an aspect of Vidui, there's a whole topic, what is the mitzvah of Vidui, we're not going to get into that right now. But it's fascinating that it's a mitzvah. A mitzvah is something HaGadosh Baruch Hu literally is telling you, I want you to do this. So wait a second, Hashem wants us to do Averos so that we do Teshuva? How is Vidui a mitzvah? But without getting into the whole sugya, an essential aspect of this entire topic is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling you that no matter what you do, no matter how distant it appears that you are from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem always wants you to come back. It's Hashem saying, I am commanding you. Well, the Maharal says, mitzvah comes from the notion of tzavta, which means connection. That no matter how many favors you do, no matter what your life is like, Hashem saying, Connect, come back. It's never too late. And the question, once again, is why? Why is it never too late? If you, unfortunately, smoke your whole life, you go to the doctor, and they tell you, it shouldn't be you, it, should be, it shouldn't be anyone, but they'll say, tell someone, you have lung cancer. And you say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I know. I, I mean, I, maybe I did know, but I, I regret it. I want to be better. The doctor is going to say, that's great, but <laughs> there's nothing I can do. We can try to treat it, but you know, apologizing, regretting it, it's not going to help. And that's something incredible. Tshuva, somehow, you can say that despite all the damage you did, despite all the decisions you made, despite all the things that you know, went against the truth, went against the rest of Hashem, it's never too late. Aser Shemit Shuva is the special, unique time where we have an even greater opportunity. And the question is, what is going on here? How can it be that you have the opportunity to somehow fix what went wrong? Now, this is the whole topic, and we're not going to give a full share. We're not going to spend hours delving into this. We don't have the time to do that. But I want to frame one of the most transformative principles that you can ever learn which is the concept of the self, the concept of who we are. Many of us think that we are a body. Maybe we're an intellect. Maybe we have a soul. But the Nefesh HaChayim, the Ramchal, Tzadok, many of the deeper Bali Machshava, they share one of the most fundamental principles that you can ever hear. You don't have a Neshama, you are a Neshama. 
yourself. You're an inner, higher consciousness, a higher being. When you say I, you're not referring to your body, you're referring to you. You're referring to your core self. Now, what is that self? What is that, Neshama? You're a chelak elokamamal. You're built with selam elokim. And at root, at your actual root, you're perfect. But we don't experience that. We wake up in this world and we experience imperfection. Now, mitzvah, tzavta, listening to the Ratzon Hashem is all about connecting back to who we really are. Connecting back to our true selves. Averos, literally, tumah literally means to block. It's, it's all about living within the illusion of someone that you're not. Disconnecting from who you truly are. Now, where does this come from? Where, where is the ma'aral, the ramchal, nefshachayim, where are they getting this from? So there's a fascinating Gemara. The Gemara says that, and this is the Gemara, the Gemara says that when we were in the womb, we learned Kola Torah Kula. And right before we were born, the Malach hits us in the mouth and we forget it. So the Vulnagun asks a classic question. He says, what do you mean? We've discussed this many times before. Why, why is the Malach making you forget and why teach it to you in the first place? So he says, you're not just learning Torah. You're learning the deepest root Torah. You're learning the nature of reality. You're seeing everything with crystal clear lens, but you're also seeing who you are. You're in touch with your perfect root self, your angelic self. This is before you come down into this world. You're being shown everything you're supposed to accomplish, but then you forget it because the goal is not to be perfect. The goal is to become perfect, to earn it, to create your perfection. So you come in this world with the illusion that you're just a... A human being, an animal. What's the difference between you and a monkey? You're a little more intelligent. And you go through an entire life journey of becoming great, becoming extraordinary, becoming angelic, using the physical world, uplifting and connecting to a Baruch Hu. But at root, you're perfect. At root, you're an angel. You're a malach. You're a neshama. So all aviros are just creating this illusion of disconnect between you and your, your higher self, you and Hashem. You think that I'm not connected to Hashem. You think I'm not extraordinary. I'm not great. I'm not an angelic being. Teshuvah is returning to what? So the Maharal says, returning to you. It's returning to your true self. To who you truly are. That's the, our, It's not just a Rosh Hashanah, Elul Yom Kippur idea. It's a life idea. We are on this journey to our true selves. And what's Kares? So the Baal Hashem talk about Kares is the illusion of being cut off from who you truly are. It's the experience of being cut off from Hashem. Now, if you would actually cease to exist, that's not a big punishment. You don't experience that. But it's the experience of living within that illusion of not existing, that illusion of not being connected to Kash Baruch Hu. Now, all of life is about building higher levels of awareness, connecting to our true selves, becoming more in touch with who we are, learning Torah, is opening up our mind, opening up our inner self to Akash Baruch to what Hashem wants, to the Chachmas Hashem. Tefillah is Avodos Halev, Avodos Haratzon, the working and wanting to live a life of truth, a life of Avodos Hashem. And mitzvahs are living that life. And what happens when we go off the wrong path? We're not affecting who we truly are at root, we're affecting. You know, there's a whole, whole, whole topic in terms of its impact on the spiritual world. We're not going to get into that right now. But in terms of you yourself, Nefshachim says explicitly, no Avira can touch your actual neshama. What it does is it, it creates this blockage on a surface level. 
And Teshuvah is wiping that off and going back to your true root. That's why the Gemara, Gemara Rosh Hashanah says there's different forms of Teshuva. There's Tzedakah, Tzedakah, Shino Shem, Shino Maisa, and according to one opinion, Shino Makam. So what are all these ideas? So Tzedakah we've talked about in the past, it's about expanding your sense of self, becoming part of something bigger than yourself, going to your root self. That's the whole topic of Death goes into, we're not going to go into right now. But Tzedakah, crying out, yearning to go back to your true self. Shino Shem is changing your name, showing that who I am now, in terms of the Avera aspect of me, that's not my true self. It's going back to a root stage of self. Shinoi Maisa, it's, you know, changing how I express myself in the world by showing that what I did is not my true self. Yeah, I might have sinned, I might have done a verse, but that's not who I really am. Shinoi Makom, according to one opinion, is also this idea of uprooting yourself and saying that the person who I am here, we are definitely involved, especially... You know, a lot of who we are is based on how we identify ourselves. A lot of how we identify ourselves is based on our social identity. So when you uproot yourself, you move somewhere else, you're able to say, the person I was there who was not living up to his potential, not living up to her potential, that's not me. I'm going to go back to my root self, uproot my current self, going to a different Malcolm so I can tap into my true self. These are all aspects and ideas of returning to our true selves. But What's the problem? The problem is when we come to identify ourselves by our sins. When we get so locked up into a false identity that we look in the mirror and we say, I am. I, I am a mistake. I am a, 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 I, I am a Russia. I am a loser. Uh, there is no chance for me. I cannot succeed. I can't grow. I can't become. I can't evolve. I can't change. I can't, I can't become my true self because that's impossible. This is my true self. This is who I've always been. This is who I'll always be. And the question's like this. Is that true? Well, how do we overcome that? So I want to share two cases, two famous cases in the Gemara, which I'm sure you've heard many times before, but I want to approach in a little bit of a deeper way. And the first is the famous Gemara, Now, Rabbi Eliezer. He wasn't a rabbi his whole life, actually. He was he was an Avarian, he was a Russia. And the Gemara talks about how this was a man who had relations with every woman he can ever he can ever find. Every woman in the world who was a zona, a harlot, he, he would go and have a relationship. He he heard there was this one that he hadn't had relations with. And there was this one and he he went. And while in the act of having Tashmish with this woman, he let out some gas. And if you're a kid, you smile, you laugh, huh? He laughs some guests. We're dealing with Torah topics. We're dealing with depth. You can approach any topic, laughter, uh, you know, gas, uh, excrement, balpa'or. Every aspect of life has tremendous depth. So when you're dealing with a real avira of Torah thought, you can say, what is it? You, know, you don't have to laugh. You can say, what's the depth of this? Why is Igmar telling me this? So she let, he let some gas, and the zona said, what? The zona said... Something unbelievable. This is a zonet, and she's giving him musr. She said, just like the gas left you, left your body, and it's not coming back, you left, you're in a vayan, you're, you're a rasha, and you will never be accepted to do, to do teshuva. You will never be able to go back. And that shook him. That woke him up. So what happened? She made him realize that he threw away his life. 
sometimes we need someone outside of ourselves to give us that tochacha, to give us that rebuke, to show a, you know, kind of give us that mirror image, help us see who we are. Sometimes we're so far away from who we should be that we just will never be willing to be self-aware to acknowledge who we have become. And we need that wake-up call. So she gave him that wake-up call. And she basically said, you're a goner. There's no chance for you. And what did he do? He woke up. And he sat, the Gemara says that he sat between two mountains, two hills, and and he, he started figuring out how am I going to do the tshuva. Now why between two mountains and two hills? So uh, there's different aspects, but one is that he was trying to create an atmosphere of year of awe so that he can get into the proper mindset to actually perform tshuva. And part of it was negating his ego. He lived his entire life doing one thing, which is fulfilling his desires. And he's saying, how can I... How can I stop living this type of life? And that's the first thing we want to do. If you want to change something you've been doing for years and years, you have to figure out how to change the environment that you're in. For example, I tell people all the time, they come over to me and say, I have trouble eating junk food all day. I say, do you have junk food lying around your house? If the answer is yes, you're not going to change because at midnight when you get hungry, you're going to go and eat it. People want to learn more. They want to learn more. Wasting their time, they want to learn more. Do you have svarim lying around or do you have other things lying around the house? Do you surround yourself with books and svarim and people, good people, you'll engage in a lot more productive and, and helpful activities. So he created an environment of Iraq, an environment of awe-inspiring, awe-inspiring circumstances so that he'd be able to really tap in. So what did he do? So the first, this is a famous, famous Gemara. He calls out to the mountains. He calls out to Shemayim Varetz. He calls out to the sun, the moon. calls out to the stars, the mazals. And he asks all of them to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, you know, to, to help him do tshuva, to, to basically serve as intermediaries between him and Hashem. Why? Because he's scared. How am I going to talk to Hashem? I live my entire life not talking to Hashem, doing the inexplicable betraying HaKadosh Baruch betraying my true self and, and now I'm going to go ask him to, to have me back so what did they say everyone knows what they say they said no they said we will not and we cannot go for you we have other things to take care of we have to take care of ourselves we have our own responsibilities we can't do it for you what was his realization one of the most famous lines in Shas Ein Hadavar Tali Elabi the only one who can do this is me. Why? Teshuvah is not practical. It's not something that gets done. It's something that you do. It's something you become. It's something you accomplish. It's something you, by definition, engage in. And what did he do? He sat, and so the Gemara says something very fascinating. It says that he sat with his head between his legs, between his legs and knees, and he cried until his neshama left. And then a baskol came out and said that Rebbe ben Derdaya, this, this, this avarian, Rebbe ben Derdaya, one second, Rebbe, yeah, he's a rabbi, rabbi, and he just went straight to Olamaba. And the famous ending to the story is Rebbe, Rebbe was crying when he heard this, heard the baskol, and he said, some are in their Olamaba in a lifetime, some in a single moment. So, so what, what, we have to pull this apart. What's going on here? So first of all, why did he bend down and put his legs between his knees? 
So there's a couple approaches. One, you can say it was uh, it was busha, it was shame. He was embarrassed uh, about all the things that he did. He came face to face with his you know his past mistakes, and he regretted them. But he had to first be you know, genuinely be embarrassed and regret what he did. And part of that also is negating your ego. He spent his whole life living according to his own ratzon, living according to what he wanted, and he had to negate that sense of self so he'd be able to say, I want to connect to a higher self, to my true self, and to the ultimate self, the ultimate neshama shel neshamas, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But there's something even deeper. And the Maharal says, it says something unbelievable. Well, what's that position? Heads between your knees. It's a fetal position. Why was he going in the fetal position? Because the Maharal says he was returning to his fetal state. He was going back to his fetal state, going back to his fetal perfection. He was connecting to his true self. He was going back to who he truly was. And, that, and that's what our life's mission is. And, and that's what Rebbe was saying. Rebbe was saying that some people spend their entire life doing that. And some people apparently can do that in a single moment. And that fetal state of perfection, when you're in the womb, it's actually part of the reason why we go to a mikvah, is to go back to, when you're in a fetal state, you're surrounded by the amniotic fluid. And may shafir, that's why we blow shofar, to go back to our root. May shafir, shofar, we go back to our root self, beyond space and time. And that cosmic root dimension of reality, where we are perfect, we're tapping into that root self. And... Vlazar ben Durnaya was tapping into that. That's why, I mean, it's part of why we go to a mikvah before Hashanah, before Yom Kippur. It's, it's to enter into that, back to that fetal state, to get back into our true perfect self. So we come back into this world inspired when we come out of the mikvah, but going into that mikvah is that formless state. And we've talked about the power of mikvah. We're not going to go into it right now, but for those of you who remember, you know, mikvah is a very deep topic. It's when you go into the waters, mayim is formless. You go into the waters, you go into this formless root state, and you come back out, you regain form. But, you know, taking that root perfection that you were tapping into while in the mikvah and bringing it back into this world. That's why all creations in the history of the world was something of form coming out of the formless, something of form coming out of the water. That's so why when Akash Baruch Hu created the world, the dry land came out of the water. Akash Baruch Hu recreated the world with the marble. He recovered the world with water. Then the dry land once again emerged from the water. When Akash Baruch Hu created Klai Yisrael as a nation, we went into the Yamsuf, that's the Maharal says. We went into the Yamsuf once again, emerged in water, and came out. You know, We went in as individuals, came out as a nation. It was the birth of Klai Yisrael. And that was the idea, that's the idea of the Gemara Nida, the Flamin of Abay, is that when we're in the womb, we're in that, you know, so to speak, our own personal mikvah come out into this world, we regain form. It's a beautiful, beautiful idea. It's also the idea of 40. It's always 40 sun in the mikvah. 40 is always the number of form. So there's 40 sun in the mikvah. Baruch Hu, after 40 days of the Mabel, dry land emerged. Klai Yisrael had to spend 40 years in the Midbar to gain form, to become who they truly are. And the Gemara says that until 40 days, the, the fetus is Maya Ba'alma. Mishnah says that 40 years is the age of, of Bina, age of, of wisdom. Very, very deep topic. We're not going to delve deeper into it. But what's the idea here when it comes to Rabbi's statement? 
Rebbe was crying. Why was he crying? Rebbe was crying. He said, this Russia, this Russia spent his entire life wasting away his potential. In a single second, changed his entire life, became a, 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 a Rebbe and, and, has a, and went to Olam Haba. What's going on? So let's think about the Zona. The Zona said that you can't perform tshuva. There's no hope for you. But what was he saying? He's saying you can't perform tshuva. This this Yehuda, you know this 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 Russia. Sorry, this Russia came from tshuva because that's not who you really are. Who are you? Go find out. And that's what Rebbe was crying about. Rebbe wasn't crying because he was, you know. I guess, you know, one way of thinking about it is that he was depressed. He spent his whole life earning his Olam Haba, and uh, this guy does it in one second. But that's, that's a complete misread of what's happening here. What, what's Rebbe really saying? Crying always represents a breakdown in a clear path. So you cry when you hear really bad news. Let's say someone thinks they're going to live for 40 years, and they find out they have a couple days left to live. Their whole world got shattered. They cry. Or they think they're going to die, unfortunately, a couple of days, and the doctor says, good news, you're cured. They cry tears of joy because they thought they were going to live a couple of days, shattered. You're going to live 40 years. We cry when our path in front of us breaks down. That's why Klai Yisrael cried tears of chinam when the Miraglam came back, and Akash Baruch said, those aren't real tears. Your path is right ahead, and you're thinking inside that your path is shattered. So now I'm going to give you a real day of tears, and it's going to be Tishavav, where you really will have a shattering of the path, where everything will break down. So what happened here? Rebbe's crying, why? Because this Rebbe Lazar actually taught him something, that you can reconnect to your true self, so you can perform true Tishuva, Tishuva Gemur, in an instant. And that's why Rebbe calls him what? He calls him a rabbi. Rebbe Lazar why? Because this person brought an idea to the world. He taught us the power of Teshuvah that it is never too late. And that's an amazing, amazing idea. Another powerful example of this, we'll just share one more example, is Alisha ben Abuya. Alisha ben Abuya, also known as Acher. So the Gemara in Chagiga Adaf, Tasvav says an incredible, we're not going to go, I mean, Acher, Alisha ben Abuya, we can spend literally hours talking about him. Fascinating. He was a Gadol Hador, tremendous Talmud Chacham, and he's one of the most peculiar enigmatic figures in all of Shas. He goes off the Derech, he's Michal Shabbos, Bifar Hesia, he does who knows what, and he's one of the four who went into the Pardes, that's the source of his Api courses. And who he was, why he was, as a whole topic, but for this, for, for very simply, without getting, all to, getting into all the details, he became a Russia, went off the derech, gave up, threw everything away, and just said, I, I, you know, there's no room for me in this world. I reject it all. Now, what his philosophy was why he did it, that's a whole topic we're not going to go into right now. It's a fascinating topic. But the question is this. The question is, what happened to him? Because well, the Gemara says that what happened is that he became this this person called Acher, who literally means like other, someone outside. And the Baskal said that everyone can do Teshuva, everyone can do Teshuva except for Acher. So what happens? So Lishev and Evuya says, 
there's no hope for me. Right? The, the Baskel says, Shuvu banam Hashem wants everyone to come back to the Shuvah except for Acher. So, once again, what's, what's going on here? The idea is that your root self is perfect. And as we go through life, we make mistakes. But those mistakes are not us. They're not our true selves. They're who we have be- attached ourselves to. They're who we think we've become. And Teshuvah is regretting the mistakes and trying to tap back into who we really are. The big mistake that we make at that point, that we could make at that point, is when we think we are the mistake. When we attach ourselves to this new identity and we refuse to let go. And that's what happened. Because the Baskul said what? The Baskul doesn't say, Elisha Benavuya can't come back. He said, Acher can't come back. Now, Elisha Benavuya is not Acher. Acher. It's not Elisha Ruvuyah. Acher, who Elisha Ruvuyah has come to identify himself as. But that's not who he is. And Hashem's literally talking to him and saying that, you know, Acher can't come back because that's not you. Like, ditch this identity and come back to your true self. He's literally giving him a message. But what did, I, what did Elisha hear? Elisha heard... Elisha can't come back. And the Gemara actually says that. That's literally that the Baskel, the Baskel says Chutz Me'acher and Elisha says Chutz Me'elisha. Elisha literally hears, there's no room for me. I can't do tshuva. It is too late for me. And the inspiring message of it's not too late, you can come back, he hears the exact opposite. Because he identifies with the facade. He identifies with the problem. He identifies with the mistake. And I would say the most fundamental problem we have is we refuse to tap into a higher identity. We refuse to accept the possibility that we're destined for more, we're capable of more, that we are capable of the extraordinary. Once we realize this, once we realize that you literally, you literally are capable of the infinite, you are a transcendent angelic being in this world on the on a, a mission to achieve the extraordinary. Once you realize that, it's never too late. You have that potential within you. You can always tap into it. The problem is when we think we are the mistake. Uh, on Yom Kippur, we read, read Yonah, but the Midrash says that the king of Nineveh was Paro. Why are we reading that? Paro. Paro, literally. You know, me, me denies the Kosh Baruch is a Russia. Hardens his own heart. Becomes, you know, the source of of the birth of Klai Yisrael. He is the ultimate nemesis, the ultimate Russia, and even he does tshuva. The idea there is that it's never too late, and that's the power of the Yud Gimel Midos Harachamim. Yud Gimel Midos Harachamim. The, the Bali Mashiach would talk about where are they coming from, where, where is the idea there. It's a whole topic we can spend hours talking about it, but very very simply, the Yud Gimel Midos Harachamim. are the root, but the highest root of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's will. Talk about how it's root in Kesser, which is the highest root of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's will in this world. And it transcends Din. So a Kaddish Baruch Hu created the rules of Din, which is Midah, Kenyag, Midah. You do an Avera, you have Kapara. You do a Mitzvah, you get Zechuyos. 
it's very much formulaic, it's systematic, it's logical, it's mathematical, it's within the realm of din, of strict judgment, but there is a realm that transcends that. And when we recognize that despite the fact that we're in this world, we are rooted, our ultimate root is connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and transcends din, we're able to transcend din. That's the whole idea of Yom, of Yom Kippur, of tapping into Kapar. Why? Because Yom Kippur is what? Yom Kippur is where we tap into our angelic selves. We don't eat, we don't drink, we don't touch for Samita, we don't engage in the physical world because we're tapping into our angelic, our angelic selves. We are Malachim. We say, Baruch Shank, Vamachsulavet, aloud, only Malachim can say that. The Kohen Gadol goes into the Kosh HaKadoshim. No man is allowed to go in there, but on Yom Kippur, he's a Malach, he represents all of Klai Yisrael going in there. We are transcendent at root. We're in this world as well. That's the paradox of life. We say, the says, What's the Pella when you go to the bathroom? It's that your Nisham is able to be connected to your body. When you go to the bathroom and you release waste, what's the releasing the waste? You eat to connect your Nisham to your body. If you don't eat, your Nisham will leave your body. When we release the waste, we're basically saying, Thank you, Akash Baruch, for keeping ourselves connected to our bodies. The powerful idea of, you, of the Yud Gimel Midos Rachamim is that we're able to realize that Kosh Baruch Hu created it. He created logic. He created cause and effect. And he's not bound by it. And the Ramchal says that that's the whole idea of Shofar. When we blow Shofar, we're connecting back to the ultimate root. We've given a whole share on Shofar. You can listen to that. But we're going back to the ultimate root, which transcends Din, and is able to tap into that ultimate Chesed and Rachamim of Kosh Baruch Hu. It's a beautiful, beautiful idea. And Rav Chaim Freelander actually said that the idea of shofar is tapping into the Yigim Al-Midas It's the same idea. Why? Because the Yigim Al-Midas are we're saying again and again, Akash Baruch Hu, I know that there are Averas, I know that we messed up, but at root, we are perfect. At root, you transcend in. At root, help us connect to our ultimate root. Help us connect to you. Help us transcend Din. And when we recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu is transcending, then Mida Kinegamida, we're able to transcend. And that's the Ramchal's beautiful. He says in Derech Hashem that when we blow Shofar, when we tap into the idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the ultimate root, that He created the world, He created the, the rules of Din, when we recognize Hashem as the root, Mida Kinegamida, we get to transcend the rules, the rules of Din as well. And this is our journey to Yom Kippur. This is our journey. Aser Simutshuva is that journey, and, and on Yom Kippur, the Ramchal brings down. There's actually it's in the Gemara. It's the Gemara Shoshana and the Gemara Tainus. A couple other events happened in Yom Kippur. One is Moshe brought down the second set of luchos, and the other is Avraham performed bris milah. So what's the connection between those two, and why are we heading towards the Ezra ultimate destination? Why is that Yom Kippur? So there's a beautiful idea. Two ideas. Number one is we're tapping into the ultimate root. Gosh Baruch gave us a Torah. The Freshman talked about how Ma'an Torah was an experience of Olam Haba. Roy Masakolos, we saw sounds. You don't see sounds. Hearing, hearing sound, that's process. You, know, it's, you hear one sign after another. Seeing, everything is static. Hearing represents this world. It's a process. And seeing represents Olam Haba, where everything is static. You experience who you are. But Ma'an Torah, we saw sounds. The whole process of life was tap, basically we tapped into a transcendent realm of static reality. We were experiencing HaGash Baruch himself. The, the Midrashim talked about how our neshamas were just like basically leaped out of our bodies and connected to HaGash Baruch because we were 
basically transcending the physical world. It was an experience of Olam Haba. We were connecting back to the ultimate. That's why a blue chauffeur, a mantar. It was an experience of transcending this world and connecting to a Baruch in the ultimate way. And on a, on a more profound level, bris is where we in the physical world transcend to the ultimate. We take the most physical animalistic organ, at least that which can be used in the most physical animalistic way, and we uplift it. The Maharal says that we're basically connecting this physical to the spiritual in the most transcendent way. That's what bris is. That's what Avraham's Mita was, connecting the physical to the spiritual. And both Ma'antara and Brasmila occur on the eighth. Right? Myral says the whole physical world is built off of sevens. Seven days in the week, seven lights in the spectrum of light, seven sounds, uh, seven uh, notes in the musical scale. Chef Mitzvah saying, why? Because seven is the number of the natural. We live in the three dimensional world, right, left, forward, backward, up, and down. The seventh is that which connects it together. The eighth is Lamala Manateva, that which transcends. So the, the th- basically, you have six sides of a cube. They don't have to be together. They can be on the floor. The seventh is that which makes them connected. The eighth is the spiritual transcendent infinite aspect that emanates from the pieces. So when you have a radio, for example, the pieces of the radio come together, that's great. If they come in together in the right way, you have a radio wave. If the bodies function in the right way, you have a neshama residing within it. Ma'an Torah was building seven weeks of seven, and the first of the eighth week was Ma'an Torah. Bris Mila is on the eighth day. The eighth is always Lamala Manateva. Now, what's the, the power of this idea? The power of this idea is that Yom Kippur as well is the eighth. Yom Kippur as well is the eighth. It's the day of Ma'an Torah. Right? It's the eighth day after Rosh Hashanah. Think about that. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But Yom Kippur is actually something different. Yom Kippur is the second Ma'an Torah. What's going on? What's the idea? So the second idea is in addition to Bris Mila and the re-giving of Ma'an Torah and Yom Kippur about transcending and connecting to our ultimate root, it's the idea of reconstructing broken pieces. Because the second Ma'an Torah, remember the first Ma'an Torah, Moshe broke the Luchos. The second Ma'an Torah was rebuilding what was broken. It was getting kapara. The, the, uh, you know, the, the Mepharshim and the Gemara talks about how HaKash Baruch Hu was mechaper, us for the Chet Hegel, on Yom Kippur. That's when Moshe brought down the second set of luchos. It's, and obviously the second set of luchos is, the second set of luchos is much more human. The, the Beis Halevi talks about how it's on a lower level, and Moshe was, so to speak, built them as opposed to HaKash Baruch Hu building, how HaKash Baruch Hu built the first one, Moshe built the second one, a whole different topic that we're not going to really go into right now in terms of the difference between those levels of Torah. But the second Torah is like the idea of you learn Kol Torah Kul in the womb and you forget it, you come into this world to build it. We lost the first Torah, we got the second Luchos, the second Ma'an Torah, now we're basically in the process of building it, of constructing it. Brismil is the same way. If you look at the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Deflam and Chassan Bey says that originally Adam HaRishon didn't have an Orla. He didn't need a brismila. Only after the chait do we now have an orla. And on our physical bodies that are no longer perfect, we have to perfect it. 
And obviously, Charles Rufus says, what do you mean? How can it be that HaKadosh Baruch creates something imperfect and you're more perfect than Hashem, you're able to create something perfect? So Rabbi Kiva said, no, that is our tafkit here. Our job in this world is not to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. Our job is to become perfect. We lost the first luchus. We're no longer as perfect as Adam HaRishan. We're not in the womb in our perfect state. We're in this world. But our job is to build our perfection, to become perfect, to become extraordinary, to learn every single day a little more to become a little more. And that is the power of Aserah's Meshuvah. It's the idea that it's never too late. And once the Yon Yom Kippur, we taste a little bit of our perfection. We become Malachim. We tap into our root selves. But the goal is not to be perfect and to transcend this world and to be an angel. Another has to bring the Karman Chattas because the goal is not to be transcendent and avoid this world. The goal is to become perfect, to engage in this world. To, to use this physical world, all the mitzvahs, almost all of the mitzvahs I say are physical mitzvahs. You shake a lulav, you eat matzah, you wear tzitzis, you put on tefillin. The goal is to use the physical to connect to the transcendent, to create oneness, to create harmony, to think about who you are, what you're capable of becoming, to use all of the potentials you have in this world to become the ultimate version of yourself. And that's the message of Aseris Mitzvah. It's never too late. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you can't say I'm too young, you can't say I'm too old. You can become extraordinary. So think about what we're going to become this year. Sit in a room and say, what, what talents, what, what skills do I want to build? What do I want to work on? What goals do I want to create? Think big. Dream big. Think about the ultimate year you can create and start heading on that journey. And remember, for the Aserah Shuva, it is never too late.